Hello, and welcome to the Historically Thinking Commonplace book for the week of February 17th, 2019. February 17th, 1913, the Armory Show opened in New York. 4,000 people attending the opening of the International Exhibition of Modern Art held at the 69th Regiment Armory on Lexington Avenue. The majority of the paintings were actually by American artists, but it were the paintings of Van Gogh, Gauguin, Cézanne, Picasso, Matisse, and Duchamp that made it a memorable event in the history of American culture, and not only because people were seeing nudes, sometimes for the first time. Duchamp's nude descending a staircase and Matisse's blue nude were amongst the sensations offered a public use to realistic painting. The entire event was organized by a group of two dozen young artists who called themselves the Association of American Painters and Sculptors, and the entire show was done without public funding. The association raised the money, it generated publicity, it transported the art, it rented the armory, it staged the exhibition. By the end of the exhibition, 87,000 people had attended it before it moved on to Chicago. It was a seminal cultural moment in an age of cultural transformation. And on February 23rd, 1455, an even more momentous event in cultural history, Johannes Gutenberg published his first Bible, indeed the first ever book printed in movable type, heralding the age of the printed book and almost unimaginable changes to come. In the history of the Second World War, on February 19, 1942, Franklin Roosevelt issued an executive order requiring Japanese Americans living on the, East, on the Pacific coast to report for relocation. Over 110,000 persons shut down their businesses, sold property, quit school, and moved to relocation centers. On February 18, 1943, the Gestapo arrested German resistance fighter Sophie Scholl, her brother Hans, and other members of the White Rose, including the philosophy professor that had inspired them, Kurt Huber. They had decided to resist the Hitler regime as best they could by distributing leaflets, which they put into toilet, compartment, toilet paper compartments on trains and other inconspicuous places. They were apprehended, witnessed and apprehended while distributing the sixth leaflet, a pamphlet written by Huber calling for an overthrow of the Hitler regime. They were tried and executed by guillotine four days later. Two days after their arrest, on February 20th, 1943, German Field Marshal Erwin Rummel broke through American lines at Kasserine Pass in North Africa, inflicting the American Army's first defeat in World War II during its first major battle. 300 killed in action, 3,000 wounded in action, 3,000 missing in action. And finally, in World War II history, on February 20th, 1944, U.S. bombers attacked German aircraft manufacturing centers, beginning the bombing campaign that became known as Big Week. Its primary goal was to force the Luftwaffe to oppose those attacks, draw German fighters into battle, and destroy them, enabling the Allies to have air superiority during the Normandy invasions in June. The offensive lasted five days until February 25th. After that, 262 German fighters had been shot down and about 1,400 pilots killed in action. The pilots, Luftwaffe pilots killed in action were the most important casualties suffered by the Luftwaffe. They were hard to train, hard to replace, and that was 14% of Luftwaffe flying t uh, capacity. But against that, 
the U.S. Army Air Force alone lost 226 heavy bombers and over 2,000 aircrew either killed or captured. In Annals of Justice and the workings out thereof, February 21, 1173, Thomas of Becket was canonized just three years after his murder by some knights working on behalf of Henry II, perhaps, whether explicitly or not, will never be known. Thomas was seized upon as a Christian martyr within months, perhaps even weeks of his death. He had really been, was the first martyr in Christianity since the very early days of the church. His canonization by Pope Alexander III was a fait accompli, a recognition of what Thomas of Becket had already become. And on February 22, 1956, in Montgomery, Alabama, 80 participants in the three-month-old bus boycott voluntarily gave themselves up for arrest after an ultimatum from white city leaders. Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks were among those arrested later that year the U.S. Supreme Court mandated desegregation of the bus system. Birthdays, February 22nd, 1732, George Washington, born in Westmoreland County, Virginia. February 22nd, 1889, Robert Robin George Collingwood, archaeologist and philosopher of history. And on February 23rd in Great Barrington, Massachusetts in 1868, W.E.B. Du Bois. He would receive the first Ph.D. ever awarded by Harvard to an African-American in history, become a pioneering scholar and activist. Here's a reading from Robin George Collingwood's Idea of History. What is history for? This is perhaps a harder question than others. A man who answers it will have to reflect rather more widely than a man who answers the three we have answered already. He must reflect not only on historical thinking, but on other things as well, because to say that something is for something implies a distinction between A and B, where A is good for something, and B is that for which something is good. But I will suggest an answer, and express the opinion that no historian would reject it, although the further questions to which it gives rise are numerous and difficult. My answer is that history is for human self-knowledge. It is generally thought to be of importance to man that he should know himself, where knowing himself means knowing not his merely personal peculiarities, the things that distinguish him from other men, but his nature as man. Knowing yourself means knowing first what it is to be a man, secondly, knowing what it is to be the kind of man you are, and thirdly, knowing what it is to be the man you are and nobody else is. Knowing yourself means knowing what you can do, and since nobody knows what he can do until he tries, the only clue to what man can do is what man has done. The value of history, then, is that it teaches us what man has done, and thus, what man is. That's R.G. Collingwood in The Idea of History. And that's been Historically Thinking's Commonplace book for the week of February 17th, 2019. Please, if you like this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes and join us next week. Until then, brighten the corner where you are. <laughs>